1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you tired of lugging around heavy, bulky tree stands, whether you're using a climber or a hang-on, and would prefer to hunt lighter and more mobile? If you said yes, then you need to check out the Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator platform. For me, this uh, setup has done a couple things for me over the past year and a half. I've definitely been more mobile, lighter. And when you get into those situations where maybe the wind switches on you or whatever, and in, in years past, you didn't want to pull all your gear, it's because you didn't want to move it, didn't want to make additional noise and things of that nature. This kind of solved all those problems for me. And I'm able to kind of tear down quickly, make a move if I need to make a move and get set up uh, without losing a whole lot of hunting time. The other thing I do a lot more of with this is actually I, I'll still hunt my way through or just kind of go into an area where I'd like to check out. Scout with all my stuff on my back. It's super light, so I don't really even notice it. And I hunt to where I'm going, or I still hunt through to where I'm ultimately going to set up, which is a great benefit, has been a great benefit to me so far this year. If you're interested in all these things, then you need to head over to tetherednation.com. Check out all their information related to saddle hunting and release your inner tree ninja. First thing I do in the morning before a hunt is, of course, I have to have my morning coffee. And I'm sure most of you out there probably feel the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and, of course, donates 10% of their profits to conservation organizations who are helping us to secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. All right, if you listen to this uh, podcast for any length of time, you guys know that I am good friends with all the guys over at Exodus. I want to give you a quick heads up that you should be checking out some of their content if you haven't already. They have a podcast out called Trail Cam Radio, and they release new episodes every Tuesday. So the day before you listen to this one, you could be listening to that one as well. They've done some deep dives with some great guests. Uh, you'll you'll recognize some of these names as Jeff Sturgis, Dan Enfault, and The Hunting Public. And they also jump into and talk to some uh, less-known hunters who consistently are getting it done many times on public land. Uh, if you prefer to watch podcasts, if you're looking for some video content, uh, they have a YouTube channel as well, and that is 
is packed, of course, with great videos and interviews. One of the most popular ones they did is a, a candid interview with John Eberhart. And uh, if you know anything about John, you always get the straight dope from him. And for my, for specifically my PA listeners, uh, they just recently posted a public land big woods interview with Steve Shirk, which I, which I consumed, and it is pretty awesome. This dude's killing hammers and getting on giant deer in in, in uh, Pennsylvania, so it's absolutely a a must listen. So if you're looking for more whitetail content especially here during the course of the season. You just can't get enough. Uh, be sure to head over to their podcast, Trail Cam Radio, and their YouTube channel, Exodus Trail Cameras, and drop them a subscription or review and let them know that Truth from the Stand sent you. If you're also in the market for a trail camera, uh, over the last four years, of course, Exodus has consistently showed they build quality trail cameras and that flat-out just work. Of course, the best trail camera warranty, period. Every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and even comes with a theft and damage coverage. That's right, five years, literally half a decade, you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because the cameras are built to last. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 151, bringing you the Iowa rut log day number 11. It's Groundhog's Day, so stay tuned. What is happening? Hope you all are doing well out there in whitetail land, bringing you this next installment of the Iowa rut log, Johnny Utah. And Taylor and I just did one yesterday that we put out. And I honestly wasn't planning to do one today, uh, but had some things that unfolded that I thought were worth uh, worthwhile mentioning. It's uh, just going to preface this by saying I kind of feel a little bit like Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day. Um, wake up and every day seems like it's the same, not every, not exactly every day. So as you all know, I think it was back on day six, I had an encounter with a hammer stud, uh, eight point that I ended up screwing the pooch on and chronicled that just plenty. I don't need to go, go through all that yet again. Um, but you know, I had a couple other hunts John and I talked about yesterday and I had yesterday, not yesterday, but the day, no, it was yesterday actually. Before we recorded the podcast, I decided to get out and do some additional scouting on the piece where I had the encounter and, and missed the shot opportunity. Um, I just felt like there were good deer over there. There was so much sign that I just I couldn't ignore it, so I hung a hung a cell camera. Um, once we got done doing the podcast, I had does actually hit the scrape and the licking branch that I had the cell camera on. I had another had a buck, a nine point. He was probably one twenty five ish, maybe one thirty. Um, come and hit that licking branch and hit that scrape. And so those were all kind of good signs. So I knew they were still, you know, checking those scrapes because the scrapes that I were running across were all open, which was a little bit surprising to me given the time frame. I would assume that those would start to go cold by now and that, you know, bucks would start to get doed up and, and so on and so forth. So I did a bunch of scouting yesterday and, you know, as crazy and as stupid as it might sound, I was bound and determined to try to catch up with the deer that I missed. Um, and I know that sounds kind of dumb because you can't really pattern a deer during the rut. It's extremely hard, if not impossible, um, given that they're going to be on does and they're going to be where the does are. So where he's, his home is, isn't necessarily his home anymore. His home is essentially where she takes him. Um, but as I was scouting, there was just so much hammer sign on this piece where I was like, I couldn't ignore it. And I was like, man, there's huge rubs, scrapes are still open. 
And so then I started thinking about, okay, the deer that I ran into, I feel like it's probably, you know, cock of the walk. And this might be, you know, uh, inaccurate kind of way to frame things, but this, I'm just going to explain to you what my thinking and what my rationale was. My thinking was that if I'm a stud and, and I have a home range, however small or big it is, and I am, you know, king shit of Turd Island in this particular area, and I'm laying, I'm the one laying down these monster rubs and, you know, hit tending these scrapes and stuff like that. I knew there were does there because I had some on camera last night. I also had seen or had gotten busted by a doe, and then I guess two nights ago or three days ago. And then when I was scouting on Sunday, trying to find a new setup, I ended up bumping a doe out of, out of an area, right? So I knew that there were does in there. It was a single deer, right? It was a single doe. So it's like I knew there were does in the area. And if I'm the main man in this particular spot, why would I go, why would I go somewhere else to find does if I have does right here and I'm, and, and I'm clearly the boss, you know, so that those that was kind of my thinking, and I was like, well, if that's the case, and if I'm a doe on this piece, and there's like three ridges and one, two, three, I think three drainages or not drainages, but uh, draws that kind of go down to this small lake, and that was kind of where I was focusing. And at the very top, there is a pine thicket. At the top, like all three of these ridges kind of converge at the top by this pine thicket. And on on the other side of the pine thicket is this like small dirt access road. And then across that small road is a cornfield that a cut cornfield that a farmer is letting his cattle graze in it. And so my thinking was, was think like a doe. If I'm ultimately, if, if the doe is ultimately going to lead the buck to wherever he's going to go, then I need to act like I'm hunting does and think about how I would go about trying to kill said doe. So as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, you know, I'm definitely going to bed down on one of these draws somewhere, especially today when it's really windy or, you know, Monday when it was really windy to get out of the wind. And then in the evening, I'm probably going to try to find a low spot where the thermals are going to pull in to kind of come up out of the, up out of the draw. And I'm going to make my way toward the cornfield that picked cornfield and the the best way to do that is to come up through a low spot where I have the thermal advantage, cross a very small logging road so you're not exposing yourself for very long, and then you're in a pine thicket, which you're basically lost at that point. I mean, it, you can see because it's it's pretty, like, all the trees are tall, but there's some understory and they're just, like, brushy, shrubby, nasty kind of bullshit in it. And then from that point on, you're, you're home free to the, to the cut cornfield. So <clears throat> that was kind of my thinking walking in, and I found, like, a rub that was just huge. And then I found a couple other rubs on some really large, um, I'm losing the name of the, of the, of, of the cedar tree. I couldn't think of the name that were basically just like time marks where like someone got angry and was just like digging in, digging into it. And I happened to bump a doe out of that particular area. And there were two big scrapes that were near, that were nearby there. And so, and it was just, and there was like this little saddle, like this little low spot. And it's all along like this access road, this access trail. And I was like, man, if I'm a deer, if I'm a doe and I'm trying to get over to that food, I'm probably, I would use this, this low spot. It's just like a low spot in a field. 
you find a low spot in the field, a lot of times deer are going to come out there. And I, we've had multiple guests on it. We've talked about that, and you know, especially in the evenings when they pop out that thermal pool or that thermal drops and kind of falls into those low spots. And that's why those deer will kind of come out in the area because they can basically scent check an entire field without exposing themselves. Same idea here. So even though I wasn't hunting a field edge, I was still in the, in the timber, but it was still the same topography feature that I was looking for. And I found it and it was by these two scrapes and where these couple rubs were at and that and right behind the rubs was just like really thick, nasty kind of green briary, multiflora rose, you know, deadfall blow down that kind of went down into two. It was a, a ridge that kind of runs down toward the lake with two draws on each side of the ridge. So when I found that, I found a really good tree to get into that was just like a multiple branch, like large branch tree that I could get into. I was only you know, two sticks up off the ground, maybe 12 feet, you know, 13 feet off the ground. It didn't need to be very high off the ground because I had plenty of cover with the branches and stuff. Um, and I thought, man, I was like, I feel like deer would come out in this spot. You know, I was like, I just feel like if I'm going to head to that cornfield and I'm a doe and I have a buck following me, I'm going to, I'm going to use this low spot to make my way to that food. And so I set up on it on, you know, whatever night it was, the night John uh, Taylor and I did that podcast. I guess it was Sunday night. We put it out on Monday and I saw a small buck come out, small eight point. So fast forward to, you know, Monday morning, huge temp drop. The high Sunday was like 55, 56 degrees. And then we were going to have a high on Monday, you know, today while I'm recording this of 27, I think was going to be the high. And this morning it was like, you know, ridiculously cold, 20 mile per hour winds, uh, supposed to get a little rain, a little snow, you know, a little bit of precip. So I woke up normal time, 4 a.m. Alarm goes off. I hear the wind whistling outside my window. I'm in day 11 of my hunt and just, I, I was just like, I need, I need a morning. I need to be able to get up, have some breakfast, some coffee, and just kind of ease into my day. I've been grinding for 11 days. I just need a mental break. So I went back to bed this morning and that was, you know, I wasn't really looking forward to getting into the wind, looked at my truck and realized there was rain on my truck. I was like, I really don't feel like sitting in the wind and cold this morning and I, I need a mental break. So today's a good day to do that. Woke up, went out to my truck, almost broke my leg, slipped on the, the step out front of my cabin, got my foot, my leg stuck in between the two steps and fell. Um, so nearly broke my leg, got a nice hematoma on it currently. So that's, so that's, you know, how my day was starting. Decided to go out like around noon. I wanted to be in my tree by like one o'clock, you know? And so I left all my stuff after I hunted it on Sunday evening. I left everything in the tree and I was like planning to go back to it, you know, Monday morning. Didn't go out in the morning. So I was like, you know, I'll go hunt that this evening, see what happens. If nothing plays out, I'll pull my stuff and make a game plan, you know, for, for Tuesday. Got in the tree, super cold. Temp was dropping throughout the day because the low tonight is supposed to be, I think, 10 I think it's supposed to be 10 when I walk into the woods tomorrow morning or this morning. If you're listening to this, is this, you know, the morning it's released? Uh, I guess I should say Tuesday morning. Um, and, uh, you know, was just planning to go there to hunt, hunt the evening. That was my, that was my plan. Felt good about the hunt. Felt like I could see deer there. Felt like I could see a buck there. So I had confidence in the spot. Hiked in one, got into the tree. It was a little bit of a disaster getting into the tree because it's kind of a tight, tight fit. An arrow popped out of my quiver when I was pulling my bow up. It smacked off the side of the tree. You know, it was, uh, there was, oh, my bow got caught on my bottom stick and kind of popped it off. So getting back down later in the evening was going to be a hairy situation. 
you know, I didn't have my headlamp with me because I, it was in my truck. So I usually always put it on because I'm hunting in the mornings. But since I didn't hunt in the morning, I didn't need the headlamp. So I walked into the woods without it and didn't have a headlamp to come back out later in the evening. That was going to make it tricky getting out of the tree with a, you know, with a rock climbingator and all that, all that happy stuff. So as you can tell, like it, it didn't start off, it didn't start off great. Super cold. Um, in the tree, didn't see any deer. Wind is ripping, right? About four o'clock, I finally, I see like movement. I see brown. And I was like, there's a deer, right? Now, most of this trip, when I saw deer, it was a single deer. It was usually a buck. And so immediately I thought it was a buck. And so I put the binos up and it got behind some brush and I couldn't see anything. And then I watched it pop out of the brush and I could clearly tell that it was a doe. And I was like, oh, it's just a doe. And I just happened to look behind it and there was something else behind it. I was like, oh shit, that's probably a buck. And I didn't need to look with binos from, I mean, it was probably 60, 70 yards away maybe. And now it, now it snowed. So like nice white backdrop, um, it's been blowing like crazy and super cold here. So there's like all the leaves are off the trees, like the, the timbers bare at this point. So I could see a fair distance and I could see that it was a big buck. So, and that doe's working her way toward me. So I grabbed my bow, I'm getting set up. She's working her way toward me. You know, she then kind of veers off and then he starts feeding, you know, browsing toward me. He kicks that doe up. She runs for a minute. He chases her for a second. And then he stops and he's at probably like 30 yards, but behind a tree. And I'm like, I'm like, man, just what I was hoping that she would do was kind of come across the road and start headed toward that corn because that was like a, a chip shot. Like that was like a 10 yard shot. If that, and that's exactly what that young buck did last night. And that was what I was hoping this doe would do. She ended up circling back around this, the, the, the buck and wasn't headed back into the timber necessarily, but she was just kind of browsing on brush that was a little further, you know, a little further away than, than, than he was. And I'm sure she was probably going to make her way to that field at some point, but I don't know at that point which route she was going to take because, you know, he had bumped her. So I guess I should tell you what deer this is. This is the same exact deer that I missed four days ago. Big mainframe eight, about 140 and some change, a little bigger than maybe 140 inches, tank of a body, four and a half year old. I got to spend probably five minutes with him and watch him as he milled around trying to get into a shooting position. So he keeps kind of working his way toward me and he steps the 28 yards. It's the exact same yardage that I missed him four days ago. There was a little bit of brush in between he and I, but I had a window to slip an arrow through. And I knew that that doe was kind of feeding a little further, kept kind of feeding back in toward the brush. And I knew it was just a matter of time because he would, he would browse a little bit, then he would pick his head up and he would like look around and find her and see where she was at. And so I knew it was just a matter of time and t- before he was going to tuck tail and start heading, heading back toward her again. So once he got to 28 yards, a little piece of brush in between he and I, but I had a window to take a shot, to make a, you know, a shot opportunity. Drew back and the exact same thing happened. I screwed the pooch again. I held too low on him. I hit a, I hit a small piece of brush deflected my arrow straight into the dirt. No wheel, no cigar on this one. He didn't know what happened. He just kind of jumped, walked 10 yards, stopped, 
and started kind of browsing again and was just kind of curious about what the hell just happened. So I, so I grunted, I gave him a light grunt to see if I could just kind of pique his interest, maybe fire him up, maybe get him to step a couple more steps back toward me. And I had knocked another arrow at this point. And, uh, at that point he got a little spooky and, uh, and ended up high tailing it and pushing the doe off and, and off into the timber they went. I cannot believe that I've missed the same deer twice in four days. And I've been trying like, and, and this is the thing with, with, with all you guys, you know, that listen to this show. It's like, I try to be as honest and as candid as I can possibly be. Um, I'm, I'm far from perfect. This is a, this is a great example. Um, and this trip as awesome as it has been. I've seen so much cool activity. I've covered a lot of, a lot of country, you know, scouting and stuff like that. But I am, a I am a humbled, I am a humbled deer hunter, a humbled man at this point. Um, the hardest part is I think, you know, and I, and I think I've come to terms a little bit better with this miss than I did the, than I did the first one. Um, knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I'm, is that, you know, I'm doing all the stuff right to put myself in position to have opportunities that to me, I'm trying to find a silver lining in this, um, is that my deer woods acumen, I feel like is being sharpened and is like, and I'm slowly becoming, you know, I was talking to my buddy, Chad Sylvester about this. If you would have asked me three weeks ago, four weeks ago, you know, if I were a better deer hunter or a better archer, I would have told you that I was a better archer than I was a deer hunter. I think, you know, the hunting that I've done this early season in Pennsylvania and then coming out to a place I've never been before and scouting some areas that, you know, John and I never stepped foot on together when I came out in March um, and have managed to get on deer and not just like get on deer. Like I've seen deer. I've seen decent deer, but I've, I've seen the same deer twice. And my goal was to try to get back on him and I was able to get back on him. And so, you know, the goals that I had for myself to become a better deer hunter this year, it's like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm checking some of those milestones and I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm trusting myself and my intuition when I'm seeing sign and whenever I'm reading like topography and whenever I'm trying to think about, well, how deer are going to react during different times of the year based on, the different environmental changes that they're going to encounter, whether it's, you know, the environment in, around them changing or, you know, the biology that changes with them, particularly this time of year, you know, so all those things, like I feel like I'm getting a better and better grasp on, you know, cause I put myself in positions, have decent encounters in, in Pennsylvania. And the one thing that I th- never thought that would let me down would be my, my archery ability. And it's the thing right now that just, has just kind of fallen apart. Um, you know, it's like, I don't believe in target panic. You know, I talked to my buddy, Greg Litzinger, he and I were texting back and forth after I missed, you know, and he was basically, you know, focus on your shot. You're skipping steps. 
you know, you're seeing deer and then you're just going straight to shoot as opposed to following your process that we've, that we've worked on, that we've talked about that you've been using all summer or that you've been using all this past year. Um, which is true. You know, I can remember the shots. So it's not like I blanked out. Um, in both instances, I'm just rushing and I'm holding too low, shooting a 25 yard pin. And I know at 28 yards, I need to float it just above, just above basically at the top of the shoulder blade is where I need to float the top of the pin. And that's my 20 yard, that's my 28 yard shot. And I know that because I've shot that same shot, you know, 500 times this summer. Um, and for whatever reason, in the, at that moment of truth, I just am not following all the things that I worked on, you know, over the past, you know, year plus. So the net net is, is that I, I missed the slammer yet again, the same deer. Um, you know, and I don't know how many more opportunities I'm going to get. I'm, I'm here till, you know, I'll leave Saturday morning. Hell, you know, I don't know how, I don't know if I deserve another opportunity at this point. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll grab the ax tomorrow morning and continue to chop wood. You know, I don't know how to do, how to do anything else. You know, I, what I will say though, is, you know, I am appreciative of a lot of the folks that have just kind of reached out and sent me a text or, a, you know, a message on Instagram or Facebook of, of encouragement, you know, after seeing that I've missed some, some guys that I really respect have messaged me and have gone through similar things in the past. And, uh, um, and I just appreciate, I appreciate the messages. It means, means a lot, but I think we're going to have a podcast in the future <laughs> talking about overcoming, you know, mentally overcoming things like this during the course of a hunt. Um, you know, when you're on location somewhere and it just, it, it seems like you're, you're in the right spots, you're making the right decisions. And there's an aspect of your, of your game, so to speak, that's, that's failing you. And how do you overcome those things? So on to tomorrow, we're going to head back into, uh, back into the timber in the morning and, uh, make a slight move in a location I've hunted before, um, slight move to a different tree to kind of get closer to where I've seen deer move. Um, and then I think I may actually head back to the same spot where I missed this slammer, uh, tomorrow evening, uh, because I don't think. I don't think he's the only big deer in the area. Well, in fact, I know he's not the only big deer in the area. Um, a local gave me some intel um, that I that I've I think I've mentioned him a couple of times. This guy Corey that I've run into gave me a little bit of intel about a couple of different deer that are on that piece. Um, and so I think that you know if this one doesn't come back around, I may have the opportunity to run into run into a different one. And the other thing I wanted to make mention is that this is how cool deer hunting is because I'm going to get off the off the, I missed the deer, you know, bullshit. Um, you know, the other cool thing about deer hunting that I'm kind of not learning on this trip, but like, you know, getting to live into is I ran into this old timer. Um, his name's George. He's from Kentucky. Um, he's been hunting Iowa for years, basically every year that, you know, any year that he can draw a tag or that his, you know, he has enough points to draw a tag. He's 66 years old. He's out here by himself grinding on public land, getting after it. Um, at this point he's, you know, doesn't really climb much anymore, uh, because of his age. So he does a lot of still hunting and hunting from the ground. He's killed a bunch of good deer out here. He's hunted Kansas and Illinois and all over the place. He's actually hunted with the legends, uh, Gene and Barry Wenzel, um, which is really cool. Um, so I've been looking at maps with him, studying maps with him, which has been really cool. He's like, this is the last trip I'll ever make out here. I'm going to be too old to do this anymore. 
So he's basically showing me all his all of his honey holes for future hunts and going over his, you know, he's using old like, you know, um, like old topo maps from like, you know, plat from like plat books and shit. Um, which is which is really cool. And uh so we've been sharing what we've been seeing in the mornings and the evenings. He'll text me usually around lunchtime, um, and ask me what I've seen. And uh, I'll let him know and he lets me know. And then uh, in the evenings, you know, he texts me or I'll text him and we'll have a quick, you know, text exchange to see what we've each run into. And I just happened to run into this guy at a gate uh, at the entrance of this one piece of public land. And he was like, hey, I keep seeing your truck at all these spots. He's like, you know, you're getting around. He's like, damn. He's like, you're in at dark. And he's like, I drive by at dark and you still aren't out. He's like, you're still here. And uh, so we kind of hit it off, just kind of talking there. And uh, this guy knows his stuff. Um you know, so thankful to run into him to create a new friend, um, that's, you know, been deer hunting shit. He's probably been deer hunting longer than I've been alive. Um, knows a ton has hunted with some legends and learned from some legend legends of the whitetail woods. And, uh, he texted me this afternoon and asked me how my hunt was. And I said, well, could be better. I missed that same deer I told you about that I missed four days ago. And his response was come over to my camper. Let me buy you a couple beers. So I actually headed over there and we sat down and looked at some maps together and talked deer hunting and talked about, you know, missing deer and, um, and shared a couple beers. And so, uh, I was extremely appreciative of that. And, and maybe that's the lesson of, uh, maybe that's the lesson of this trip. Maybe it's not the, uh, maybe it's not bringing bone home. Maybe it's something a little, uh, maybe it's something a little bit more important than that, that, uh, that it's a way to connect and make new friends and, and, uh, you know, find common ground with people that you've never met before and create friendships with strangers from, you know, different parts of the country that you've, that you've never been before. Maybe that, maybe that's the point of this trip. Now I'm getting a little, a little hippy dippy here. So I'll, I'll start to cut this off, but I just want to make mention of that because I thought that that was really cool that a guy that I've only known for maybe three days via text message and running into him in person one time, um, saw it fit to invite me over to, to share a couple beers, to, to talk about my hunt and, uh, you know, basically say, Hey man, we've all been there. We've done it. You know, you do this long enough. It's why they call it hunting and not killing because you're not guaranteed anything. Um, so with that, I'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. I hope you guys are finding success. I hope you guys are enjoying the rut log. I'm, I'm enjoying putting them out. I wish, I wish one of these, it would be a happy ending with me, uh, with a deer in the back of my truck. Uh, but we'll keep giving it hell and see if we can't make that happen in the next few days. But as always, appreciate you guys listening and uh, good luck the uh, over the next couple of days if you still have a tag to burn. And uh, as always, I will talk to you all soon. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd be super appreciative if you do those two things for us. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Gumleaf USA Boots, Obsession Bows, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.